I'm doing something this morning that I don't like doing. I'm preaching something that I have preached here before. I'm preaching a sermon that I've preached here before. I preached it on August the 4th, 2019. How many of y'all remember that? <laughs> Shirley remembers it. And Richie, th- he don't remember what he'd done yesterday. Uh, but, uh, I, I, and Janice probably has it written in her Bible, but I just, um, I was praying yesterday and trying to get set on the service, and I got a, I got a sermon brand new that I'll probably end up preaching tonight. But God really just put this message on my heart, and so I've reworked the outline, and uh, and I won't preach it the same. It's just it's just how it goes, just the nature. But I, I need to obey the Lord, and so I'm gonna. Some of y'all wasn't here in 2019, and most of y'all slept since then. All right. So Genesis chapter 29 and verse number 16 this morning. The Bible said, And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to thee than I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love that he had for her. I had to her. Verse 21, And Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah his daughter and brought her to him. And he went in unto her. And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zilpha his maid for an handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve with thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? Within our chapter that we have read this morning, this is a familiar passage in the life of Jacob. We understand that Jacob was the twin brother of a boy named Esau. They were the sons of the marriage of Isaac and Rebekah, thus making Abraham and Sarah Jacob's grandmother and grandfather. Jacob has a good heritage, but Jacob is a kind of man that lives for the flesh. He gets himself in trouble because of decisions that he makes and things that he does. In fact, because of the decision that he makes, he is now on the run. He's had to leave home because he has tricked his brother out of the birthright and then stolen his brother's blessing from his aging father Isaac. At the recommendation of his mother, you talk about a mixed-up home and a dysfunctional home. You got Isaac and Rebekah both loving a kid and trying to pit against one another with them, and just a dysfunctional home and and a messed-up situation. And so uh, Rebekah tells Jacob that that Esau is going to kill him, and so he goes on the run. And that's where we find Jacob, and he he comes to a well and he sees this girl, this young lady by the name of Rachel. And he immediately falls in love with her and he wants to marry her. And so we notice by way of introduction there is a stated desire. In verse 18, Jacob loved Rachel and he said in the tongue to Laban, her father, he said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. He shares this desire with Laban. We could say it was love at first sight. A stated desire. 
There's a settled deal in verse number 19. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to thee than I should give her to another man. Abide with me. Jacob goes to Laban in an attempt to work out a deal that he might marry Rachel. Now, I don't think uh, I don't think that Kagan or Matt done that with you, Brother Tony, but they owe you some money. According to the Bible, they owe you some money, all right? But they gave you grandbaby, so I guess that's a fair deal, all right? And, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, Travis looking at Owen said, Here, where's my money at, all right? But that was the custom of the day. Don't worry, that grandbaby will be here, and it'll be worth it all, all right? But that was the custom of that day. They was work. He wasn't selling his daughter, but it was a dowry. It was a it was a deal they work out. And so here's what Laban told Jacob. He said, Jacob rather told Laban, I'll serve thee seven years so that I might uh, marry your daughter Rachel. So they settled the deal. And there was the servant's delight, verse number 20. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed unto her, unto him, but a few days for the love that he had to her. Now that is very important. Don't miss that. I mean, seven years. You remember when you was in the first grade and you couldn't wait to get to the seventh grade and how long that took? Seven long years. But in Jacob's prerogative and in Jacob's perspective here, the Bible said that it seemed but just a few days. Why? For the love that he had for her. You know what kept Jacob serving? You know what kept him motivated uh, to serve? It was the love that he had in his heart. And Paul said, for the love of Christ constraineth us. I tell you this morning, we ought not just live for God and serve God because we have to, but we ought to because He loves us and because He loves us, we love Him, John said. The servant's delight. Then there is a summons declared Verse 21 and verse 22. And Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the pallet, uh, all the men of the place, and made a feast. I mean, almost like Jacob has it marked down on his calendar that he knows to the day. Uh, this is the day that I'll I'll take uh, Rachel to be my wife, and and we'll start our home and start our family together. He was counting down those days. Verse number 23 through verse 25, there is a shocking disappointment. The Bible said in verse 23, And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him, and he went unto her. And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zilpha for his maid for a handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, I love this, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this thou hast done to me? Did I not serve thee for Rachel? Wherefore hast thou beguiled me? Now in case you're missing the picture in the story, Jacob wants to marry Rachel. But Jacob has a sister who has a great personality. The Bible said she was tender-eyed. In verse number 17, says she was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. Now, I'm not trying to be mean or trying to be rude. I didn't write the Bible. I just read it. But we'd say that Rachel was beautiful and Leah had a great personality. She really loved the Lord. Boy, I've heard that before. (laughs) She really has a heart for God. You really need to talk to her. Boy, I've heard that before. And, 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 but that just means that Leah was not as beautiful as what Rachel was. And so, and I didn't write it, I'm just reading it, okay? I'm, I'm sure when I get to heaven, Leah's gonna be standing there at the door slapping every Baptist preacher that walks in that preached on how ugly she was. Thank God neither Leah is here this morning, so I won't get dirty looks, okay? I'm not saying all Leah's are ugly, but this one would take, make a freight train take a dirt road, okay? 
All right, I'm just saying, the Bible says she was tenderized, okay? I was preaching this one night in a meeting and talking about how Rachel is beautiful and Leah was ugly, and lo and behold, there were two sisters in the meeting named Rachel and Leah. I mean, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen to me, all right? But here's my point. Jacob wants to marry Rachel, and I don't know how they pulled all this off. I was reading this morning... Uh, Billy Kelly said they had a candlelight service and Leah blew her candle out. I don't know if that's how that worked or not. We do know those women of the Orient wore veils and all that. And we do know that, that, that they didn't have LED lighting. I don't know how that worked out, but I know the King James Bible said and it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. Can you imagine when he turned over that morning and he's done married the wrong girl? I mean, they always said, always marry an ugly girl. Jacob took that song for what it was worth. He turned over and there it was. Now, now we laugh about that. But Jacob was highly disappointed that he didn't marry, marry the one he wanted to marry. Think about this. He's got his life planned out. Remember when you first met your spouse and you knew she was the one? You knew that he was the one? I mean, my goodness, when Grace first met me, I mean, she, she pretty much asked me to marry her on the spot. I mean, she was planning a wedding and everything. I mean, I'm like, back up, lady. i got to get to know you a little bit. I mean, she is just, she is just, I mean, <laughs> I mean, when you're hot, you're hot. When you're not, you're not, I guess. Some, Tony, some of us got it and some of us don't, amen. <laughs> Tony said he ain't got it, amen. But you may get your life planned out. You got all these plans, all these dreams, starting a family, starting a home, starting a life together. And now he's woke up, and what he woke up to was unexpected. What he woke up to was undesirable. He didn't want Leah. What he woke up to was unwanted, unexpected, undesirable, unwanted. You know what Jacob is saying to Laban in our verse? He said, what is this that has done unto me? He said, did I not serve with thee for Rachel? I have served you. I have been a good servant. I have tried to be obedient to what you've asked me to do. And this is what I get. You know what Jacob is saying in this text? This is not what I signed up for. And I'm going to tell you what happens many times in our Christian life. We have our life planned out. We're serving God. We're trying to do the best we can. And we have these dreams, these plans, these desires, of these things laid out in our life. And we just know that our life's going to be A, B, C, 1, 2, 3. It's going to go like this. I'm going to have this home. I'm going to have this job. I'm going to have this vehicle. My family's going to be this. My home's going to be this. My church is going to be this. My ministry's going to be this. And then sometimes we turn over one morning and we wake up and we find out we're living in a world that was unexpected. Undesirable. We didn't want it. Unwanted. We didn't ask for it. You know what we say? Now this is not what I signed up for. When I got saved, I didn't sign up for all this trouble. When I got saved, I didn't sign up for cancer. When I got saved, I didn't sign up for disappointment. When I got saved, I didn't sign up for trouble and heartaches and trials. I didn't sign up for this. So I want to preach on this morning. I didn't sign up for this. There's going to be things in our lives... That we have planned out. And I believe you ought to plan. I, I believe you ought to have expectations. I believe you ought to have dreams. I believe you ought to have godly desires. But you better remember sometimes those desires don't fit in the will of God. 
Sometimes those desires and plans, they may look good in your day planner. They may look good on your iCloud calendar. They may look good in your mind. You've got it all planned out. But at the end of the day, it's not the will of God. I'm not blaming sin on the will of God. Don't misunderstand me. But sometimes life just happens. You ever stood back and said, I didn't sign up for this. I, I, I didn't sign up to bury a loved one. I didn't sign up to bury a child. I didn't sign up to, to go through this disappointment, this heartache. I didn't sign up for this. Mary and Martha didn't sign up for Lazarus' death. David didn't sign up to be in the cave of Adullam on the run from his life for just doing what he's supposed to do. Job didn't sign up for suffering and depression. Simon of Cyrene didn't sign up to carry that cross for Jesus that day. Paul didn't sign up for shipwrecks, being forsaken, being stoned, left for dead, probably dying there in Acts 14. He didn't sign up for that thorn in the flesh. He didn't ask for any of that. It just happened in life. There ain't anybody here, I hope this is making sense, I'm trying to obey God. There ain't anybody here this morning that signed up for the trouble you have in your life. There ain't anybody here this morning that when you planned out your life, you said, boy, I want cancer to touch my family and I want to lose my job and I want to lose my home and I want to lose everything. I want, to lose, I want my children to go astray. I want my family to be tore up. I want my life to be touched with sickness and heartache. I want my life to have to deal with bereavement and deal with death and disappointment. Nobody signs up for that. Nobody expects that. Nobody wants that. If life went by what we wanted, hospitals wouldn't exist. Funeral homes wouldn't exist. Drug rehabs wouldn't exist. Those things wouldn't happen because if life was based on what we wanted, we wouldn't want any of that. Are y'all hearing me this morning? I didn't sign up for this. There's three things I want to say out of this text and ask God to help us today. First of all, I see the conveyed reasoning. We're reminded in verse 25 that Jacob's asking Laban a question. Why have you done this to me? You ever heard a preacher say, well, bless God, you shouldn't ask God a question. That's so dumb. It is. Now, you ought not question God. May I remind you that Jesus on the cross, though, said, my God, my God, why? So the Lord asked a question. So if it was a sin to ask God a question, then you're saying the Lord sinned. And we know He did no sin in 1 Peter chapter 2. Neither was God found in His mouth. How are you going to find out anything if you don't ask a question? But I do want to encourage you, answers don't fix your problems. But Eddie Davis tells this illustration, you can fall off a ladder, land on your arm and say, you know what, I think I have broken my arm. You go down to the ER, you sit there for seven years, you finally get in, and they do an x-ray and they throw that screen up on the wall and they say, yep, your arm is broken. That's an answer. But that don't fix your arm. Well, if I knew the answer to this, if I knew the answer to that, no, the answers don't fix anything. Answers are not antidotes. But he asked a question. Notice there's a word of frustration, verse 25. He said, did I not? What is this, what is this that has done to me? You ever ask God that? What have you done to me? How about this question? Did I not serve thee for Rachel? God, I've been trying to serve you. Y'all hearing me? I've been trying to do right. I'm going to church. I'm tired. I'm giving the mission. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I, didn't I serve you? How about this one? Wherefore hast thou beguiled me? Now God's never beguiled me or deceived me. You ever read Jeremiah? Jeremiah said, Lord, thou hast deceived me. 
Now the Lord is not deceiving Jeremiah in a sinful manner. But here's what Jeremiah was thinking. I had it all planned out. And God, it didn't go like I planned. And I felt deceived. There's the word of frustration. You ever get frustrated at your life? Frustrated at the direction that your life has went? When you graduated high school and your annual, you didn't sign up for that. You, didn't, you weren't expecting that. You weren't looking for that. You didn't want that. But here's life. Now I will remind us this morning of sad reality. Some of that's because of our decisions that we make. We got to take. We got to own it this morning, don't we? Some of the things that we deal with in life, we can't blame God on. We got to own it. But there are some things that God orchestrates and God does and God's works in our lives. A word of frustration. Notice the will of the Father, verse 25. What is this thou hast done unto me? That I not serve thee for Rachel. Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? You know what Jacob is admitting in this text? Laban, you're the one in control of all this. You better remember that God is in control. Well, you preacher, are you saying that God is behind the bad things that happen to me? No, God's above it. But God is in control. A word of frustration. The will of the Father. But then notice the ways of the family. Verse 26 and 27. And Laban said, It must be done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give her thee also for the service which thou shalt serve me yet seven other years. You know what Laban is saying in this verse? He said, The reason I've done it this way is this is how we do it in my family. You know why God does the things He does? That's the way He does it in His family. Did not the prophet Isaiah say, Your ways are higher than my ways? Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts? Well, if I ask God, well, you ain't. You better be real glad I ain't. Amen. I have that Old Testament prophet spirit about me. Oh, you don't like me? You know, just zap somebody and get it over with. Saves you a lot on trouble. And if you zap them, saves coffins. Amen. But what I'm telling you this morning is, is God does things His way because it's His family. You ever been disappointed? Has any, is anybody in, in this line this morning that you've got things in your life you didn't sign up for? Talk to me now. Just didn't want that. Didn't expect that. Jeff, I know what week it is, man. I know this time of year. Janice, this time of year. Then just a couple days, both of your families touched with sadness. Eleven years ago. Didn't sign up for that. Didn't ask for that. Didn't ask for that sorrow. Didn't ask for that disappointment. Didn't ask for that pain. Some of you, you've go, you're going to places in your mind. He's like, you know what? I didn't plan on that. I didn't ask for that. I didn't want that. You know what we have to do at the end of the day? We can worry ourselves enough and why this happened or if I'd done this or if I'd have done that. But at the end of the day, worrying gets us nowhere. And fussing with ourselves gets us nowhere. At the end of the day, we have to trust that God is in control and we have to trust Him. I see, I see the conveyed reasoning. But notice secondly, verses 28, 29, and 30. I love this. There's the choice to remain. Now, I love this in Jacob's life. If we're not careful, when life doesn't go as we planned or desired, there becomes a temptation to become unfaithful to God and unfaithful to the work of God in our lives. Is anybody getting a hold of this? If I pick the wrong sermon. The common answer... In most people's lives, when things don't go their way, it's like the nine-year-old on the ball field when the call don't go his way. What does he do? I'm getting my ball and bat and going home. 
And that's what a lot of people do. When life don't go their way, when God doesn't do what they want it to, you know what they do? Well, I'm getting my Bible and I, I ain't going back. But you know what Jacob does? As carnal as Jacob is, as odd as Jacob is, as as enigma as Jacob is, you know what he does? He just stays. He don't leave. Jacob is a runner by nature. Jacob's always on the run. But he stays. Jacob is running from Esau in this text. But he doesn't run here. Why? You know why Jacob don't run? He's in love. He's in love with Rachel. He don't want Leah. But he loves Rachel. You know what? He's too in love to leave. I don't like what life's done to me. I don't like the direction that Laban has put me in. I don't like the position that I'm in. I don't like it. But I really love Rachel. And I'm not going to run out on her now. I'm telling you this morning, life may not have went how you wanted it to. Life may not have gone like you wanted it to. Oh, but I'm reminded of the love of Christ this morning. No, life ain't gone. But I tell you, God still loves you. And God's still holy. And God's still righteous. And you just make up your mind. He's done too much for me. I love Him too much to leave Him now. Notice, notice His displayed submission. Verse 28. Four words. And Jacob did so. Laban said, you'll stay with me seven more years, I'll give you Rachel too. Jacob said, okay. He submitted. He submitted. You know, Jacob's a fighter. You remember that text? He wrestled God. Later on, he will. Genesis 32, he's a fighter. In fact, God's not even touched his leg yet. He's still got his strength. He don't fight with Laban. You know what he does? He submits to his authority. He says, okay, Laban, if that's what I've got to do, that's what I'll do. It'll be a good day in our lives. It's easy preaching, hard living. But it'll be a good day in our lives if we get to a point and say, Lord, I ain't going to fight against you no more. If that's what you've got, if this is the direction, if this is the plan, if this is your will. Once again, I'm not talking about sin this morning, okay? God doesn't will sin. That is man's choice. It's man's decision, okay? But sometimes, in the words of Curdy on the Three Stooges, you're a victim of circumstances. It just happens. You're there. But he just submitted. I see a displayed submission in this text. But then I see a dedicated servant. Verse 28, And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. And he gave him Rachel, his daughter, to wife also. And Laban also gave to Rachel, his daughter, Bilhah, his handmaid, to be her maid. And he went into Rachel. And he loved Rachel, loved also Rachel more than Leah and served with him yet seven other years. Of course, we understand the context. Jacob is laboring another seven years that he might have Rachel as his wife. As his wife. But the point I want us to see here is even though things didn't go his way, he kept on laboring. He didn't quit serving. A lot of people get hurt in a church, get hurt by a preacher. It happens. By the way, church members hurt preachers too. That's a two-way street, Bubba. They get hurt, get done wrong. You know what they say? Well, I ain't doing that no more. I ain't serving no more. That's the way I'm going to be treated. That's the way I'm going to be talked to. Everybody wants to be a servant until they get treated like one. Chew on that for a minute. Everybody wants to be a servant until somebody treats them like a servant. You know what Jacob says? I'm just going to stay serving. I see a displayed submission. I see a dedicated service. But I see a dependable security. Here's what I mean by that. In Genesis 28, the chapter before this, Jacob spends the night using a stone for a pillow. 
And that night, God comes by to Jacob and He makes Jacob some promises that night. You can read about it in Genesis 28 and verse number 13. And behold, the Lord stood above it, talking about that ladder, and said, I'm the Lord God of Abraham thy father, and the God of Isaac, the Lamb whereon thou dwellest. To thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places where thou goest and will bring thee again unto this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken of thee to thee, uh, spoken to thee of. You know what Jacob's doing? Jacob said, life ain't going like I planned. But God made me some promises. Just the other night. So here's what I'm going to do. Life ain't going like I planned. But I'm going to hold on to them promises. I'm going to hold on tight to them. Because God said he is going to bless. God gave me, by the way, God gave Jacob the same promise that he gave to Abraham and Isaac. That in thee all the nations of the earth be blessed. So it ain't going like a plan. But I still got all these promises that he's given me. Amen. 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 You know, God didn't promise that you wouldn't have troubles. But he did say he'd be there. He didn't promise that the storm wouldn't rage, but He did say He'd speak peace. He didn't promise that your heart wouldn't be broken, but He did say He could mend it. He didn't promise that you'd never suffer suffer pain and difficulties, but He did say He was a great physician. He didn't promise that you wouldn't have financial difficulties, but He did say He would supply all you need. He didn't promise that your children wouldn't go astray, but He did promise that the truth would not depart from them. He didn't promise that you wouldn't have a thorn in the flesh, but He did promise that His grace would be sufficient. He didn't promise that there wouldn't be dark times, but he did say the sun would shine again. He didn't promise that the enemy wouldn't come, but he did say you is more than a conqueror through Christ that loved us. He didn't promise that you wouldn't have to walk through the graveside of a loved one, but he did say there would be a resurrection day. He didn't promise there wouldn't be weeping in the night, but he did promise that joy would come in the morning. He didn't say that friends wouldn't walk away, oh, but he did say he'd be a friend that'll sit closer than a brother. So I said, well, God didn't tell me this was going to happen, and God didn't say that wasn't going to happen. No, he didn't say that. Oh, but look at all the promises that He has given us and He is true to His Word. God cannot lie. You just hang on to those promises even when life hasn't gone. When you didn't sign up for that, you find you a promise in the Word of God and you stay claim to that. You hold on to that anchor of the soul that's most sure and steadfast. God keeps His Word. A conveyed reasoning. A choice to remain. And last of all, the children that were reminders. It's interesting, I've preached this before, but it's interesting that through the person, Leah, the thing, Leah, that Jacob didn't want, was what God used to bless his home with the first four tribes of the twelve tribes of Israel. Verse 31, God gives him Reuben. You know what Reuben's name? I know this deals with Leah, but it deals with it deals with Jacob too. You know what Reuben's name means? The God who hears, or the the God who sees. Reuben means means seeing. In other words, here's what here's what the Lord is saying to us. Something you didn't sign up for, God sees it. Out of what he didn't want, Leah, God brought a little boy that every time he called his name. You know what his name means? Sure to the Lord has seen my affliction. That's what Reuben's name means. Every time, Reuben, don't run out there next to the camel. 
God sees my affliction. Hey, Reuben, pick up your pick up your toys. God sees my affliction. I want to remind you, God will bring sweet things out of dark places. Verse 33, she conceives again and bears a son named Simeon. You know what his name means? The Lord hath heard. That speaks of prayer. Every time we call Simeon's name, he's reminded God still answers prayer. God brought a prayer promise out of Simeon. Levi, verse 34, and she conceived again and bare a son and said, Now this time my husband joining me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name is called Levi. Levi's name means joined. But it goes further than that. You know who God chose to run the things down at the tabernacle? He didn't choose Reuben. Reuben. He didn't choose Simeon. He didn't choose Judah. He didn't choose Benjamin. He didn't choose Naphtali or Issachar. You know who he chose? He chose Levi. You know what God will do? God will take those things that you didn't sign up for and let you use those things now the house of God to be a blessing to somebody else. But then they had a little boy. Verse 35. She conceived again and bare a son and she said, Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Judah. Ain't that interesting? Judah's name speaks of praise. That's what Judah's name means. God brought praise to himself out of the situation that Jacob didn't want. It almost sounds like God is able to work all things together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. It almost sounds like what, what uh, Joseph will say later in Genesis chapter 50 when he looks at his brother and says, You meant it for evil, but God meant it unto good. There's some things that happen to us in life the devil meant for evil, but God is turning those things for His good. But Judah not only speaks of praise, but Judah speaks of a person. Turn to Genesis 49. I'm just about done. I hope this has not been a rerun. I hope God's made it fresh this morning. Genesis 49. Genesis 49. Just a few pages over. Jacob's getting ready to die in this chapter. He brings his sons by. In verse number, verse number 4. Judah, thou art he whom my brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies, and thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion. And as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? Look at verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet. Watch these three words now. Until Shiloh come. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. What is that Shiloh? Well, Shiloh means peace. But that Shiloh is a capital S. Meaning, as I learned in homeschooling with Daxon this week, it's a proper noun. See, I pay attention to. That is a person. Shiloh is a person. Well, who is that person? Numbers 24, 17 says that Shiloh is Jesus, the Messiah. I want to remind you this morning that Jesus did not come from the tribe of Reuben. Jesus did not come from the tribe of Benjamin. As beautiful of a picture as Joseph is of Christ, he did not even come from the tribe of Joseph. But he come from the tribe of Judah. 
In fact, Revelation chapter 5, verse 1, I saw on the right hand of him, a, a, him that sat on the throne, a book written within, and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and loose the seals thereof? And verse number 5, One of the elders said to me, Weep not. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and loose the seals thereof. You know where Jesus showed up? Jesus showed up! in an area in someone's life that they didn't sign up for. Had, had Jacob not got Leah, he wouldn't have showed up to the line of Judah. You know what God did? God took what Jacob didn't want and used it to bring Jesus to a whole lot of people that needed him. And sometimes God will use things in our life that we didn't want, we didn't ask for, we didn't desire. I'm not even saying they're good things. But God will bring His Son out to help somebody else. You still in Genesis 49? Stay there. Genesis 49, I'm done. Leah feels like she's hated. The Bible never says that Jacob hated her, but it says that compared to that love that he had for Rachel, it seemed like Leah was hated. But after some years of maturity, and after some years of time, look at Genesis 49, verse 29. And he, speaking of Jacob, charged him and said unto them, I am to be gathered unto my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephraim the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephraim the Hittite for a possession for a burying place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. Watch what he says. And there I buried Leah. Look at verse 33. And he said, And Jacob commanded the end, commanded his sons to gather his feet, and he yielded up the ghost, was gathering his people. If you read on, you know what they do? They go back to that cave of Machpelah. And they bury Jacob next to Leah. Now watch it now. In that cave, you got Abraham and Sarah. God ever put two people together it was Abraham and Sarah you got Isaac and Rebekah Lord have mercy Genesis 24 if God ever put two people together it was Isaac and Rebekah but God didn't put Jacob and Rachel in that cave in that family cave he put Jacob and that thing he didn't want together but you know who made that request Jacob did Jacob said you buried me where I buried Leah you know what Leah always wanted she wanted Jacob's affection what she never got in life she got in death they're going to get up together on resurrection morning. But the lesson I see here is Brother Matthew's coming with a song this morning. The lesson I see here is that thing Jacob didn't want. The further he got down the road, he learned to appreciate it. He learned to see that God didn't make a mistake. God didn't say, oops. I want to remind us this morning we all have to take responsibility for our sin. Amen. But there are some things that happen in life, the best of our abilities, we've not. We know we've not been perfect, but we didn't do anything to bring it on to ourselves. It just happened. In this text, Jacob, Jacob didn't do anything to get Leah. He's doing right. He's serving. He's honoring. It just happened. Maybe you're facing something this morning you didn't sign up for. But if you'll give God time, Jesus will show up as we stand together for prayer this morning. God spoke to your heart this morning.